All right. Well, isn't Ephesians just a cracker of a book? Um, Victoria, you were wonderful last week. You spoke so well. Um, she always does an amazing job when she preaches. And she continued this pivot in the book of Ephesians from the, the, the story of the gospel, the wonders of the gospel, into now walking out a life reshaped by the gospel. So in light of the gospel story, everything about our lives should begin to change. And um, the beginning of chapter 4 in Ephesians, he starts with this great exhortation. He goes, therefore, in light of everything I've said in the first three chapters, now live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And we talked about that word worthy being axios, the word balance in the Greek. It's about bringing your life into balance with the good news of the gospel. So we come today to some pretty direct, honest, confronting truths or exhortations for how should we now live. As we put off the old self and we put on the new self, that's what Victoria spoke about last week, made new in the attitudes of our minds, we become created to be like God. Uh, we, as in we're, we're to take on his character. Um, all the life and the love and the virtues that exist in God, we, 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 we become like him. And that's a lifelong journey. You get saved once, but then you spend the rest of your life being transformed uh, into his likeness. So everything that Paul's going to say links to what's gone before, right? Uh, it, it, we get to some kind of moral um, exhortations, I guess, today. But if you read them without reading what has come before, these rules for living, these moral guidelines for life in community, um, it, it would be easy if you just read it cold to slip into kind of like a legalism, wouldn't it? Or to slip into... Um, feeling judged or being judgmental of everyone else's lives. But Paul is going to talk about how to live as allowing the gospel story to reshape every part of our stories. Uh, I love Victoria last week. She talked about verse 1 of chapter 4, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And then she quoted the message version uh, of Ephesians 4, 23 to 24. It says, everything... Connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Right? Get rid of all the old stuff. And then he says, take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So good. So good. Like, what a verse. You know, all, all that good news allows for this possibility of a life that gets renewed from the inside to reshape you. So let's have a look at today's passage, Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to open them up. It's good to have them in front of you. We've got Bibles in the foyer. Always feel free to grab a red Bible. It's good just to get familiar with the Word of God. You know, where is Ephesians? Where does that sit in the New Testament? Um, Where are those verses? How do I find them if I want to go back to them? Uh, Or just have it on your smartphone and search it. Same thing. All right. 
Let's read Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, but they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And then be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Uh, This amazing passage about contrasting ways of living is generally summarised by scholars as being about truthful speech. Okay, this section is about truthful speech. And the encouragement, the exhortation from Paul in light of putting off the old self and putting on the new is to live a transformed life compared to whatever has gone before. Uh, I like in the Bible schematic that we've been following how they summarise this. Next slide, Gussie. Um, He simply kind of says, next slide, Gussie. He simply says, there's this, in this whole section, Ephesians 4, 17 to 6, 9, there's the old self, and then there's the new, converted, saved self. And he compares this section, there's things that we now take off, old ways of living, and there are things that we put on as the new ways of living. So we take off lies, we put on truth. We take off anger, we put on peace. We, we stop stealing, and instead we work so that we can be generous to others. We stop gossiping. We use our words to encourage. We don't go for revenge. Instead, we forgive others. And then kind of into next week, we get rid of promiscuity. We learn to be self-controlled. We stop getting drunk all the time. Instead, we get filled with the Spirit of God. It's brilliant, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to live a life like this? Now, when you meet people who display these virtues, these are the people we admire. These are the people that we honour and look up to. And the promises, as Victoria said last week, is that as our minds are renewed, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, these imperatives about how to live, and because God has, you must now, but instead they are because God has, you now can. So we might read this section or this list in light of some of the things that we've read in the first three chapters of Ephesians. So, for example, Ephesians 1.3. Because God has blessed all of us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, you can now take off lies and put on truth. Because God has, you can now get rid of anger and you can now live in peace. Because God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, you can refrain from stealing and now be generous. Because God has, you can now stop gossiping and you can use your words to encourage. Because God has, you can now choose not to seek revenge, but practice forgiveness. Right? We can read any of the moral imperatives always in light of what God has done first. 
Let's go another round of this. Ephesians 1.19. Because of God's incomparably great power for us who believe, right? He's given us power to actually live this life. You can now take off lies. You can now speak the truth. Because God has, you can now get rid of anger in your life. You can now live in peace. Because of God's incomparably great power for us who believe, you can refrain from stealing and you can now be generous. Because God has, you can stop gossiping, you can use your words to encourage. Because God has, you can now choose to not seek revenge, but practice forgiveness. One more round. Let's do it again. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 7, 8. Because God forgave our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, you can now take off lies and speak truth. Because God has, you can now get rid of anger and now live in peace. Because God forgave and lavished grace on us, you can refrain from stealing and now be generous. Right? Are you with me? Do you see how this kind of works? Because here's the thing, like, shame is an awful motivation for changing our behaviour, right? And some cultures particularly are quite shame-based. But it doesn't change you from the inside. It just burdens you with guilt. You know, condemnation is an awful motivation for changing our behaviour. Fear of punishment is an awful motivation for changing our behaviour. But receiving every spiritual blessing in Christ, being given great power, being forgiven and being lavished in grace, that can actually do something within us. That can compel and empower us to want to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. Are you with me? I know it's late. (laughs) So let's talk about some of the ways Paul calls us to now walk as the children of God. I think it's good to remember as well that we always read these scriptures in the light of living in community and that these letters were written not to an individual but were written to a church, right? These are ethics for how do we now live together. Um, Someone from this church was chatting with me the other day Um, It was very encouraging what they were saying about what is formed here at Manly Life, about, you know, um, all the young families and young adults and the great services and that this community has got full of life and fun. And um, he said to me, um, I I just don't see from here what could go wrong. (laughs) I felt like such a party pooper because what came to mind was the incredible human capacity to muck things up. (laughs) You know, I've got this incredibly high view of church community, but also a very realistic view of what life together can be like. Right, I absolutely believe that this place here, Manly Life, but every local church across the world, 12,000 churches in Australia. Do you know that? There's there's about 12,000 churches in Australia. Um, This is the place where people get saved. This is the place where people get transformed. This is the place where people find friends. They learn to forgive one another. They learn to share and be compassionate. And I see it all the time, right? This is, this is a miracle place. This is where God is at work. It's in his church. But this is also a community full of broken people like me. You know, what could spoil this church community? 
Oh, I, could, I could give it a pretty good shot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you could probably do a pretty good job as well of messing it up. See, if we're not all communally committed to taking off the old self and putting on the new self, then we can do all kinds of damage. And it's in Paul's list here. I mean, we can, we can lie to one another. We can get angry at real or perceived relational hurts and that can consume us. And then we get bitter and then full of rage and then we start slandering others, right? Uh, because we're doing life together, because we actually do become friends, because this is a community where everyone's welcome, not just people who are exactly like you, we're going to rub up against each other. Right? We're like a Petri dish where we, we do this experiment of growing the kingdom of God with our lives in community. And so it's not always going to be a perfect place, is it? It's so easy to make a judgment on another person and talk about them behind their back. I mean, verse 27, Paul says, all this kind of behavior gives the devil a foothold. And he loves to destroy churches. You know, we showed that picture a couple of weeks ago of that church in the north of England that's got no windows and no roof. It's just a remnant, right? And it once would have been so alive and there would have been evangelism and and people. And now it's gone. What happened? I don't know what happened. But churches come and churches go. And we've got to be on guard. So daily, we need to be reshaped in every part of our lives by this gospel story. Yeah, it's why, just see this again, right? It's one of the huge one of forgiving each other, which I think is the highest Christian virtue alongside love, is forgiveness. It's explained we forgive each other, verse 32, just as in Christ God forgave you. Right? So everything we're doing, it's the gospel story of receiving forgiveness that reshapes our story of them being able to forgive one another. So we can do it. All right, I just want to finish today. With truthful speech. Truthful speech. Um, It's interesting to me that in getting to some of the morals or ethics or way of living out the Christian faith, Paul starts with speaking the truth. And I think that's because of the absolute centrality given to truth in the Christian faith. Truth is the Greek word aletheia. Um, A just means without or non or no. And lethia means concealment. So truth literally means without concealment or not hidden, right? Truth is bringing everything out into the light and into the open. John 1, it says Jesus came in grace and truth. Hey, isn't that cool? Just to think about that verse, like Jesus came to, to, to unconceal who God was. To fully demonstrate to the world, this is, this is who the creator is. This is, what he, this is what he looks like. He reveals who God is fully, openly, perfectly. Great way to think about it. He came to fully reveal his heavenly father. And his words are what you would consider the perfect conceptualization of goodness. Right? I don't know if you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount, but it's quite confronting. <laughs> Because it's such a high bar. But, but what else can you expect from Jesus if it's truth? Right? This is, a, this, is the, this is the most pure conceptualization 
of what goodness can look like. And I think what Jesus is doing on the Sermon on the Mount, it's like, you know, he's not going to set the bar low and then go, hey, hey, well done. It's like aim for the highest conceptual, moral good in the world and then aim your life at that. Aim your life at that. That's why Jesus says in John 8, know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Paul says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have a fundamental commitment to the truth and speaking the truth. You know, I'm not a big culture wars kind of guy, right? Like it's not really what, what floats my boat is getting in the culture wars of culture and society. But, but I would say this, like when truth becomes a casualty, we all suffer, Right? And you can dress lies up as the consensus of what modern people think. But if it's a lie, it's a lie. And lies lead to death and destruction. And the truth leads to life. You know, and why? Because, because truth speaks life into being. And lies speak hell into being. Um clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson who I like a lot of what he says he talks about our world our words either tilt the world a bit more towards heaven or they tilt the world a bit more towards hell I think that's good you know truth speaks life and can tilt the world towards heaven but when we lie any cooperation with it speaks hell into being. Now, Jesus says that, doesn't he? He says the devil is a liar. You know, the devil is the father of lies. So, so, so nothing true can come from lies. And maybe that's a good question for us all to ask. Do your words tilt the world a bit more towards heaven? Or do your words tilt the world towards hell? Because, because as we move towards truth, things come together. But when we lie, everything begins to fall apart. And I find that such a challenge personally. But here is the reality. When we, when we lie to each other, we find ourselves having to do what? Tell more lies to cover up the previous lies. And then we become entrapped by our falsehoods, right? And you can see why truthful speech then is a great way to start to live a transformed life. If you are committed to speaking the truth, then I think the other stuff flows on. You're not going to blow up in anger because when, we are, when we're in a rage, we say things that we regret. We're not going to steal because that involves fundamental dishonesty. So verse 29, instead what we do is we speak only what is helpful for building others up. So everything that flows on from telling the truth, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, they're related to the old ways of living in which, why do we lie? Because we, normally we do it because we want to, it's self-preservation. We think this will be the easiest way to get out of a situation. Or, or we'll get ahead by telling an untruth. But as we put on the new self, as our story is reshaped by the gospel story, it says instead... We, we, we be kind and compassionate and forgiving. 
Again, Jordan Peterson, he's written a lot on the importance of speaking truthfully. He says, use your words carefully and wisely and truthfully. He says, the thing about telling the truth is that it is so adventurous. I I really like that. You know, if you're committed to telling the truth in every situation, that's an adventurous way to live. Because you're not conspiring for how do I, you know, manipulate this situation or get it to benefit my own advantage. You just tell the truth and then you see where the chips fall. And I think that's so cool. Speak truth in every situation. You know, sometimes I counsel people and the temptation is so strong to tell them what they want to hear. You know, massive generalizations, but you know, like they just, you might want to hear, yeah, yeah leave your husband or your wife or, or um, yes, that, that's obviously the other person's fault. And yeah, you just say what the itchy ears are wanting to hear. But I try and commit myself to speaking the truth, of course, in love, but the truth. All right. As we finish, I want to do some ministry at the end of the service. Let's just consider three quick places where we can speak the truth. Firstly, in our workplace. I wonder what your workplace is like. Is it good? Is it a bit toxic? I don't know. I I, I was meeting up with a girl from our church just this week. She just quit her job because her workplace was so toxic, she had to get out. And then I was speaking to a guy this morning, one of the new dads, and he was saying he just quit his job because there was just, it was just a den of lies. You know, there was just, it was just a toxic place to be. Uh, we spend so much time in the office or at school, at the hospital, at the shop. Uh, and so I wonder, as a child of God, are you tilting the world in your workplace closer to heaven or closer to hell? You've got an unbelievable opportunity right where you are to stand for the truth and to speak the truth. I like the story of um, some of you all have been to London. There's a massive department store, I think it's on Oxford Street, called Selfridges. Um, It's like David Jones on steroids. And um, when it was started, it was started by a guy called Harry Selfridge. And he was in the office one day and the phone rang and one of his young employees picked up the phone and the guy said, can I speak to Harry Selfridge? And Harry Selfridge was in the back saying, "Um, tell him I'm not here, tell him I'm not here. And this young employee just passed the phone to Harry Selfridge and he said, you tell him you're not here. (laughs) Well, you can imagine when, 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 when Harry Selfridge got off the phone, he was furious and he just laid into this young employee. And then the young employee said something. He said, well, if I can lie to that person on the phone, then I can lie to you. So what kind of an employee do you want? Right? And then from that place, this guy's career took off because Selfridge knew this was a guy that he could trust. All right, secondly, at home. I wonder what your home life is like. How do you use your words? Um, Most marriages that disintegrate have the common cause of truthful speech being an early casualty, right? Truth goes out the window and it's almost like the rock begins to set in. Maybe it starts just with little lies over where you've been or what you've been doing or or, or how you've used the finances or a little bit of covering up of an addiction or a bad habit 
And then lies are said to cover up lies, right? And in marriages, that's so toxic. In any relationship, that's so toxic. But a regenerated heart and a renewed mind leads to truthful speech. See, my guess is you won't cheat on your partner if you're committed to truthful speech. Right? Imagine instead using your words only to encourage, only to build up, only to speak truthfully. Um, Victoria and I had a, a good little bit of a blow up this week. <laughs> wasn't our finest moment. But um, I think we were both tired. A few things had probably niggled each other the previous week. Um, she often gets a little bit on edge when her birthday's coming up. <laughs> it's almost like she knows she's in for a bit of disappointment. <laughs> it's like... So anyway, I'm going to do better next year. You wait till next year. I'm going to get you some women's clothing. All right. <laughs> Anyhow, you know, you have those arguments and you just say things you regret, right? And you say some, some stingers, don't you? Like, like stuff comes out of your mouth and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Anyhow, kids went to bed. We got a chance to talk and... You know, we cleared the air and we both apologised to each other and we committed to doing better. And then, bless Victoria, the next day she texted me and said, sorry for being a snappy turtle. And then I wrote back and said, that's I love you, boogly bear. And, you know, just, you know. Anyway, I'll stop there. But it was good, right? It was good. But that's the power of following Jesus. Because without it, without that circuit breaker of grace, you know, you just follow that downward spiral into bitterness and slander and rage. Right? You just stay angry at each other. You just keep saying words to each other. You just, you know, but, but grace is the circuit breaker. We forgive, as it says in this passage, as the Lord forgave us in Christ Jesus. And then we get to build each other up instead of tearing each other down. But you've got to have that commitment to selling the truth and using your words to speak kindly. All right, and then final one tonight, uh, it's like three words, is just this church. This needs to be a place of truth, right? Um, guys, this church is going well. It's going really well. You know, we've got about 500 members who call this church home. There's, there's life there's people forming friendships. There's people overcoming. There's good things happening. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> now, look, listen, we need to come as we are, right? We come broken and real with all of our mess. But we need to come so ready every Sunday to bless and to encourage and to build each other up. You know, we've got such an opportunity for this to be a house of honour and to watch our words and to just speak grace and truth, right? It's so easy to get in that downward spiral, but instead we come ready to bless and to speak encouragement. And imagine walking into this place and just being bathed in that kind of reality. You know, life is hard enough without being criticised and torn down the whole time. So let's just encourage one another. Let's build each other up. Let's use our words to bring life. Amen.